Hello and welcome to Your Life Rocks, the podcast that equips working Christian moms to create balance, clear away the chaos, and reach goals in all areas of your life. My name is Jenny Stemmerman, your host and fellow working mom. I'm so glad that you are here to hang out with me today. This episode is episode four of a four-part series where we have other Christian working moms coming on and just sharing their testimony, sharing what God is doing in their life, the way that he has shown up and really walked with them through some really tough stuff. We've heard from women talking about their struggle with infertility and divorce. We've heard from women talking about how they fell into a position of prostitution and how God rescued them from that. We also heard last week from Autumn talking about how God walked her down paths that she said she would never ever go down and what that journey has taught her. Now, today's episode, we have my friend Julie on, and Julie is sharing very transparently about a two-year period of her life where she suffered with depression, and it was really a dark cloud that impacted every part of her life, and so she's going to be talking with us a little bit about that and how God has really woven all of those experiences in her life, all of those struggles, into something she could never, ever imagine, a way that she is being able to give back now and support other people. I know her testimony is going to inspire you in big ways. Now, after my conversation with Julie, I do have a life balance tip for you from our sponsor, lifebalancemembership.com. So I hope that you stick around for that. And next week, we go back to our regular format. So it'll be a shorter episode and full of action steps to help you create more balance in your life, clear away the chaos, and reach your goals in all areas of your life. Because that's what we are all about here at Your Life Rocks. Now, I know this interview is going to move you, and maybe even some of it you can relate to. So without further ado, let's get into our interview with Julie. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show to share your testimony and your story, and it's a powerful one. So I'm really excited for you to share it with everybody. So tell us a little bit about you, Julie. So my name is Julie Nowacki, and I am married to Wayne, and we have been married for 13 years. And we have a little girl, Audrey, who just turned eight. And I have been involved in the music industry for 15 years, helping manage, develop, and mentor emerging Christian artists. I work for a specialized preschool. I've started a promotional company where I help bring out faith-based events and ministries. And then most recently, I've started working on bringing a creative arts mental health resource center into the community for at-risk kids. I love this new project that you're working on, Julie, because it really does encompass a lot of what we're going to talk about today and a lot of what God has really done through your life. But you've the thing that I love so much about you is you have this energy about you that your hands are just kind of in everything and you like have this special skill and talent of bringing people together. So talk to us a little bit about that. Where do you think that that skill came from? Or is it something that you've always had? Is it something that God just put in with you? Or do you feel like it's been developed over time? You know, I think it's something that I've always had, but then I also believe it's been developed. Um, My parents, they were ministers on the road with music. And so we had to quickly adapt to a new place very immediately and quickly. And so I would get to know people at, you know, just a really personal level. And then I think that just followed me into my adulthood. I started working for the Christian record company when I was 14 and I was put in positions where I needed to get to know people and 
kind of their aspirations, their dreams, their passions. And within that, I was able to really just formulate a way of getting people excited about releasing them into their dreams and their destiny. And so that's something that I think it has developed over time, but it's always been something that's always been a part of me as well. So now I kind of just do it without even really realizing I'm doing it. And the more I notice, the more I get, you know, energetic about it and enthusiastic about it. And so I know that I'm really in that position where God has called me to, and that's just equipping and releasing people into their destiny. Yeah. And it really is a gift that you have to see you in action and to see you using um, that gifting and really being alive and what God has gifted you to do is inspiring because I think God's really gifted all of us in our own unique ways. We don't always use it. We don't always stand in that gifting quite the same way that you do. And I think it's just really, really inspiring to see. Now, one of the things that I love that you're doing and really bringing people from all over the community together for this new project that you're working on with a mental health center, what inspired that for you? So the inspiration actually came out of a tragedy. My own father-in-law took his own life in October, and it was just two days after I came back from a conference where I was asked to speak and share my testimony on how I was healed and delivered from extreme fear, anxiety, suicidal thoughts. And um, it came as a complete surprise when we received the news. And at that moment in time, I had a choice whether or not I was going to allow the enemy to get the you know, the glory for what took place, or I was going to turn it around and redeem it. And I really felt like at that time, the Lord allowed me to see a deeper way of using creativity to heal the mind. I went to a conference at Bethel and I was exposed to a lot of ways of creativity and how healing was taking place. And that's really where the inspiration, I guess, came in May, but then in October, it really became more personal. And I just Again, I never knew I was an entrepreneur or a visionary, but the way that the Lord just kind of started giving me just pictures and just getting me excited to see the healing come into my community, I just went with it. And so he gave me the name Elrod, which is the rod stands for reclaiming our destiny. My father-in-law's name was Rod. And so I wanted to really recognize him and honor him in that. And then the L, the E-L in front of it, um, Elrod stands for God, our King. And then it's based on Psalms 23, 4, your rod and your staff, they will comfort me and guide me. And so it just all kind of came together and it was nothing that I had even planned on doing. I wanted to partner with other nonprofits in my community to see if we could bring something like this, but I never thought I would be the one that would be initiating it. So it's really comical when God, he asks you to do something and you really don't even know what you're doing, but it's such a, a humble place to be because you go into it not being in control and trying to figure everything out. You just take one step saying yes and knowing that God has gone before you and he will direct your steps. And I have been amazed at just the amount of people that have come alongside of me and said yes to helping this. And um, it's really just God orchestrating everything in his perfect timing and us being obedient. I love that. I love that. And I, and that, that's exactly it, right? It's just, you never know where God's going to be leading you, but it's mm -hmm. just that next step and being courageous enough 
to put your foot on that next step and to, mm -hmm. to, to move forward in that unknown. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because, you know, as we move forward in the unknown, it's really easy to look backwards and see how everything just connects and everything right. aligns in such a way. And I know that that's a big part of your story is, is kind of in that same world of what Elrada's purpose is to be able to, to heal and restore other people. And, and God has healed and restored you in a very similar way in, a, in your own journey. So yes. share with us a little bit about, about where that story began for you um, okay. in relation. So, you know, I never really struggled with my identity just because I was put into a very prominent position when I was so young and I was always focusing on helping people discover who they were and who God created them to be and how could they be used by God. And so I was always pouring into other people and I always felt really just secure in who I was. But there came a time in my life where my family went through a crisis. My husband lost his job. He had a mental breakdown. Uh, we had to move out of our home just because I was working two jobs. We had a toddler at home. There was just a lot of chaos that was going on. And I had to take myself out of a lot of things that I was doing. And what I realized in that time was I was putting a lot of my identity into what I was doing that gave me fulfillment, not in really who I was in Christ, but in what I was doing. And so when I moved out of that position, I didn't know who I was. And I went into about a nine month period of just extreme purpose depression, not knowing who am I, what am I created for? Because I thought I was going to be doing this. Well, you took this away from me. So I had to get to the core value and to really get to the bottom of no matter what God is asking me to do, I've got to know who I am in him. So I don't put my identity into what I'm doing. I think a lot of times as moms, especially we can put on the, I'm a mom. And yes, that is an assignment that God has called you to be, but that's not who you are. And I think if we, if we put ourselves in that position of just, we put labels on ourselves when that time comes, when our kids grow up and they're no longer in our home. We're still a mom, but we're not as involved in their lives. We can go through an identity crisis and we don't know, well, who am I now? Because I thought this is what I was. And so it was a really pivotal point in my life where I had to come to the point of knowing no matter what I'm doing, I am a daughter of the King. And I've got to be okay with just that because that's a pretty high position. If we think about it, we are, princesses of the king we are royalty and no matter what it is he's asking us to do we are still needing to remain in him so i had to really get to the the bottom of of knowing who i was so that i didn't put my identity on something instead of someone that's good and what did you call that purpose depression purpose depression yes yeah and i you know it's funny because it's one of those things i think a lot of especially working moms can relate to, because of course we are moms first mm -hmm. and foremost, but we also so much identify with our position and whatever job it is that we do because it fulfills us so much. I mean, most right. of the ladies listening to this, some of them work because they have to, but a lot of them work because they love it and it mm -hmm. gives them purpose and it it'll exactly. gives them something to pour themselves into where they're successful at, they get that accolade. And so for that to be removed can really be a huge shift just in mm -hmm. how that they, they move through life. And so that's really what you were kind of going through. Mm -hmm. Exactly. 
And I think the more I, the more I talked to other women, you know, again, it was like a nine month season of just extreme hell because I felt so detached from so many of my friends, so many of my assignments, so many of my, so much of my community, my church, we just completely uprooted ourselves and went to a different place where I couldn't be as involved. And as soon as the Lord delivered me from that, I just, I'm very transparent. I've always been a transparent person. And I just kind of had this new rite of passage with my friends to say, hey, if you're struggling, be honest, be real, because we are supposed to come alongside of each other and help. We can't help if we don't know what's going on. And I think especially as working moms, as mom, you know, as just moms that are wearing a lot of hats, we can just get ourselves to a place of not asking for help because we don't want to appear as though we don't have it all together. But what we all know is we don't have it all together. That's why we need Christ. That's why we need our sisters to come alongside of us and encourage us. And we need safe places where we can share what's truly going on inside of us. And we can be the women that we're called to be. And when women come together, there, there's a force to reckon with. And so instead of the comparing, the competing, we need to just connect and converse and just be real with one another. Yeah. So kind of walk us through the timeline. So it was, you said it was like kind of a nine month period of hell where there was a lot of uprooting and changes and disconnections and Mm -hmm. a lot of that going on. So what spurred that? Was it your husband? Was it his job change? Was it your job change? I think there was a combination, you know, it was definitely part of of his mental breakdown that got me to a point of, I'm a very strong individual and I'm one where if you tell me you can't do it, I will prove to you I can do it. And so when you're at that crisis where you can't help your own husband, you feel completely helpless, you feel completely hopeless, there's just so many emotions that are going on. And then when you're trying to raise a family, you're trying to keep it really just neutral. So they're not picking up on all the stress and chaos that's going on in the home. So there was a lot of expectations that I felt were placed on me and I didn't know what to do with them. And so it just got me to a tailspin of, I I can't do it. I, I can't be everything for everyone. And I just, I just broke. And the, the strong woman inside of me became a very weak and fragile little girl that really just needed to rest in who who God was telling me that I was, even though I didn't get it. I mean, that whole nine months I was in church, people were praying for me. There was a lot of, you know, intercession happening, but I was so disconnected. And I think the thing is that the Lord really showed me too, is that, you know, you're trying to help all of these people be released into their callings. And I've got to take you to a place where you know what that's like when you're going through an identity struggle, an identity Mm -hmm. crisis. I never had that. Like I said, I started working at such a young age and I was put into positions where I was managing people that were 20, 30 years older than me. I would be called on to counsel them and to mentor them and to encourage them. And so I was raised up really quickly. I grew up quickly. And so my young little girl inside of me didn't, it matured too fast for my own emotional being, I think. So I was kind of catching up with the with all the expectations and realizing, wow, I can't do this. I need help. And so that's really what, um, what brought me to that. The end of myself really was redefining who am I? And then I, I can only say it's by the grace of God in a complete miracle that took place 
you know, my husband, he did end up having to go on medication for a time that helped him get um, adjusted and regulated. I myself, honestly, I should have been committed to a mental hospital. I was suicidal. There were thoughts going through my head that I've never thought I would ever think. But again, that was a way for me to have compassion with women who I've heard these stories. I'm like, how could you ever think that way? But I, I did. I went there. And so I felt like I was able to have um, more compassion on, especially women, just because that's kind of the the sphere that I travel in, um, just on really knowing when you get to that crisis point and how to communicate it. But I myself never had to go on any medication. It was a, just a supernatural healing. And that's, that is honestly, that's all I can say. There was, I, I don't even know how it happened. Um, my mom wrote a book and we were supposed to go to do a conference called Hope Unleashed. And she asked me to go with her and I was really hesitant because I had no hope. Well, no joke, three days before we were supposed to leave, I woke up just with this supernatural joy and something had lifted, the, the fog had lifted. And I went to that conference and God used me in a miraculous way of speaking into these women's lives, telling them no joke, three days ago, I had no hope. I was suicidal. I was afraid. I did not want to go around people. I couldn't even go into a grocery store. There was so much, so much anxiety. And for those that know me, they just can't believe that. But it was so deep rooted that it, it was, it was not a good place. So three days prior to that conference, I was healed. But then we got back from the conference and I, I hit a slump again. And then in January, um, when I started getting involved with something outside of myself, that's when the unraveling started happening in a good way. God started showing me, you know, take the focus off of you, start giving back to something, start doing something for someone else. And I'll show myself to you in a way. And so that was just the continual of getting out there. Then I started getting asked to speak at different women's luncheons, sharing my testimony, sharing my story. Um, and then that's what started a group called Fierce Princess Warriors Online, which is all about knowing our spiritual authority and identity in Christ. Then out of that, I was asked to speak at a conference. And it's just been a wild two years, just a wild two years. But I had to go through a refining fire. I had to get to the pride, which I think is what really brought me to that, that point of just um, brokenness was I was prideful because I had no struggle with myself. I, I knew who I was. I was good. Everything was great. And then God said, well, what if I take this away from you? What if I take this away from you? Then who are you going to be? So that's, that's just kind of the journey. It was all about, you know, pride comes before the fall. And that's certainly how it happened in my own life. You know, I want to thank you so much, Julie, for sharing, you know, so transparently about this, because it's one of those things that I think, especially as women, we face a lot, mm -hmm. but it gets hidden. Mm -hmm. And, and whether it be from shame or through responsibility or pride or mm -hmm. a, a million different things, right? I mean, I think so many times, especially as working moms, sometimes we feel like, well, I, I don't have time to be sick. I don't have time to process these things. And especially when someone who we love so dearly, like our spouse is going through something, we feel like we have to step up even that much more. Do you feel like you were kind of feeling that way as he was going through that? Like you needed to, to do more, to supply more, to be more? Most definitely. Yeah. And, and the 
hard part was I couldn't do anything to help him feel better because it was something he had to get to the end of himself. And it had to be a relationship that he had to honor and trust God that he was going to bring him through. So it was a spiritual refining for him as well. But I, I will have to share that. I remember when I was going through my crisis, I, I told him, I said, this is a war and, and I need you as my husband to step up and to pray for our family because there is something that is, is taking a hold of our family and trying to destroy us. And there was many times where I told him, you know, you can leave. I, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Um, it, it really was just a crisis. And within that time frame, also a couple months after we moved out to my parents' property, I found out I was pregnant. And this was when we were like on the verge of divorce and I got really angry. I had thoughts that I never should have had about the baby. I was not ready for another baby. So fear set in an incredible way that I think also brought me to a place of um, just, I don't know, it, it was something, it was a, I don't even know how to explain it, but once you allow fear to come in, it takes a hold and it can just mask over so many other things and you can get yourself to a place of just being afraid for everything. And so the questions that I was thinking to myself and the thought process I was having, I know was not from God. It was totally from the enemy, but I agreed with it and I aligned myself with that. And um, we did end up losing the baby at 10 weeks. And so there was a whole process that we had to go through because we finally accepted, okay, we're going to have a baby after 18 months of infertility with our daughter and having a miscarriage prior to her. Now we're going to have another one when she's, you know, three or four that we were not even planning. And God, what are you doing here? We are in such a crisis. Why would you allow this to enter in now? So there was just, there was a lot going on in a couple year time frame that I just, I look back and I'm like, Lord, wow, but he's faithful. And whatever the enemy means for evil, God's going to use for good. And I'm a testimony of that. Um, just being in a place now in my life where there's just supernatural joy and peace that I've never experienced before when it was so fear driven and anxiety driven for that nine months. Yeah. And coincidentally, the time of a pregnancy, which is <laughs> right. So kind yeah. of a rebirth. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So while you were in that process and, and kind of in one of those like darker spots, you mentioned before that people at church were praying for you, mm -hmm. that there were people around you. So talk to us a little bit about that because, you know, obviously the main reason why we're talking about these testimonies and sharing these testimonies on this podcast during the series is to speak to women who are out there that might, might relate to this situation in one form or another, might not be exactly the same scenario right. that you walk through, but right. if they're in that spot where it just feels dark and it right. feels like they're searching and um, having these emotions with God, what, what advice would you give for them on how they would to reach out or or how to support or ask for that support from the people around them. Yeah, that's good. And I, I think the hardest part is, I know for me personally, when I was at that spot, I was not myself. And feeling that fog and feeling just that continual, just darkness and pressure kind of on your brain that just, it was like there was just a layer of just darkness. And so I would go to church and I would worship and I would sing, but I wasn't present and people would be praying for me. And, and there was no, like, it, it was the strangest feeling. It was like out of body experiences happening where I was there, 
but what they were saying, I was not processing. I wasn't internalizing. It was like they were talking to a blank wall. And I look back and I know that all of their prayers and all of their, you know, compassion, everything, it was taken in, but I wasn't at a point of receiving it. So I guess my encouragement to women would be don't allow yourself to get to that spot because you know, we all know kind of where we're at emotionally. And if we're feeling at all like we're disconnected or we're at a loss or we're starting to feel hopeless or we're just starting to feel like, well, what am I supposed to be doing? I, I feel like I'm going this many directions and I have no balance. I think it's that's a cry for help. And I think as women, we need to create a safe place where we can be there for one another. Whether that's you start you know, a prayer group and you have your girlfriends come together and you just start praying for one another and you get involved in their life. I think it means calling up a friend if let's say you're just, you're just doing your daily stuff and someone just pops into your mind, call them up, send them a quick text and just say, hey, I'm thinking of you, I'm, I'm praying for you. You never know at that moment what they could be facing and that could be the very thing that they're looking for. Um, it's being intentional, I think, about the way we interact with the people God has placed in our life and just taking time to just care about other people and just to get involved. I, I mean, I honestly, it was the strangest feeling when I would sit down and have a conversation with people and they would be sharing with me and encouraging me. And it was just like, okay, like it just didn't go into my soul. It was just there was just a, a wall. And um, my hope would be that just women would really just start coming alongside of each other and just supporting and championing each other on and being there for one another. And whether that means, you know, you get involved with a, with a women's group, a Bible study, just make a, a plan to go out with friends once a month, do something that's going to invigorate your soul and take care of you. I know as we were working with artists, a lot of the times we would encourage them to have an artist date, go do something that spurs something in you creatively, whether that means you go to, on a walk, you go to a movie, you go to an art studio, change up your environment, because a lot of times we can get stuck in a certain place where we're not seeing things from a different perspective. We have to go somewhere else to change the atmosphere and to see things differently. And a lot of times that's get out in nature, go do something that you've never done, try something new, but really be intentional about it. So this is great advice, Julie. I, I really love it. I know we've kind of moved away for a little bit from your testimony, but I think that this could really be impactful for, for people who are listening, who are going through this and, you know, just kind of going through my own journey in the past and knowing a lot of other people who have gone through um, a similar journey, you know, once you start kind of going into that place of darkness, sometimes we lose like rational thought. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we, you know, it's easy on the, on the other side to say, to reach out. But um, I know for so many people, that's really where the shame starts to play in. Cause they feel like I can't let anyone know that I'm not right. capable or I'm not able, or I need help. Right. Um, so at what point kind of going back to your own personal journey, do you can look back in hindsight and say, I wish I would have reached out at this point, or I wish I would have communicated more clearly how bad it hurt. You know, I, I think part of it too, I know for me, I had put myself into an emotional prison of fear. And that's the only way I can kind of like visualize what it was I was going through. And so I had to make the conscious choice of getting myself out 
And in order to do that, it had to come down to swallowing my pride, allowing the shame not to overrule me anymore and get up. But before that, I, I honestly don't know because you're at, you, you're not thinking rationally. So even though I was reaching out, you know, I still did stuff with my daughter. I still went out with my friends. I still tried to keep the normalcy of my life because I didn't want anybody to know that what I was going through. So I had that shame as well. And people knew because they can tell when someone's not really there, especially if you're an extrovert like me, once you're quiet, people pick up on things. And, um, and so I had to be really careful even when I went out of, of how much I, I talked because people could, they could just pick up on, wow, Julie, what, what's going on? And I wasn't really ready to talk about it because I couldn't even communicate what I was feeling because I never, this, these were new emotions that I never, ever experienced in my life. And so I wish I had a better answer because now on the other side of this, I can say all these things and they all sound good. And yeah, yeah. When you're feeling that way and you have the right set of mind, well, of course those things make sense. But when you're in that despair place, it's really just trying to take baby steps of getting yourself out there. I know one time I went to a Bible study and I know a ton of the women, but I was so afraid to even go into the Bible study. It, it was this, I had no idea rationally what I was even thinking. And so I left and it was kind of like, that could have been an opportunity for me just to go and just to be still and just allow people to, you know, to pour into me and to love on me and to pray for me, but I couldn't even do it. You know, I went to the doctor. I did all of that. I wasn't sleeping well. I was taking some over-the-counter sleeping pills just so I could sleep. I think you really have to utilize the resources that you have in front of you and take baby steps. Just take a little baby step and just hope that that's going to do something to get you out of the mind of just despair. Yeah, it's a hard situation for sure. Now, when yeah. you were going through that, because your husband was obviously getting professional help because he went on a form of medication. Mm -hmm. At any point, did you reach out to a professional to get some help with yours? I did. So I reached out to my doctor and he gave me, he prescribed me one medication that honestly just made me go crazy. But in, in my deepest soul of who I was, I knew medication was not the answer. And that was just a personal conviction that I just, I knew. And so when people would say, well, Julie, you should try this. I'm like, I know that's not what I'm supposed to do. And I just had to just suffer through it. I really felt like, I mean, as, as worse as it can sound, I really felt like that was my process of God refining me. And that if I would have tried to alter that in any way for me personally, I would not be where I am today. Because honestly, it's by the grace of God and his supernatural healing <laughs> that I am speaking with you today about this and how I was delivered from it. And I believe out of that healing, there comes a new level of authority that I can now really just release people into feeling joy because I was such a place of despair and hopelessness and God healed me from that. And I believe whatever you're healed from, you now have that, just that authority because you've overcome it. And it's, you know, the, the Revelations 12, where it says we will overcome him by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. It's just repeating that and knowing that our testimony has such power 
and the enemy wants nothing more than to silence the voices of his daughters especially there's a there's a rising up right now with women and i think part of it you're going to be hearing more about these women who have felt this way but they haven't had an outlet to communicate that and i think we as women, we need to do a better job at creating a safe place where we can be real with one another and accepting. And I think there's so much when you say, well, gosh, I struggle with that. Really, you struggle with that too? And you're like, oh, I'm not alone. Because you feel so alone when you're going through this that nobody else in the whole entire world is going through this. And you don't have anybody to talk to, which that's just a lie from the enemy. The enemy wants to isolate you in fear. He wants to keep you imprisoned by your own emotions because he knows that there's power when you start speaking out your testimony and what God has done and how God is working in your life. Because it's really involving God in the process. It's not saying, God, take this from me. Take this depression from me. Take this anxiety from me. So like, God, I invite you into this process because I know you're more concerned about the process than the purpose. So what is it that you're trying to teach me through this? Where are the areas in my own life do I need to let go of and let you come into so you can be in control? Mm, so good. So we've, we've talked a little bit about kind of like the darkness of it. Now let's talk about the part where God gets all the glory. So, <laughs> um, so what was that? I mean, you talked before, like you, you kind of like went to bed and you woke up with hope, but was it, was it just purely that, or was it kind of a, a slow easing or was it one of those miracles of healing? So I went and saw the movie Annie with my daughter and there was a part of the movie where it's talking about just do the thing that's right in front of you. And at that time, I had a decision to make whether or not I was going to accept taking over a business or say no to it. And there was a lot of strings attached to that. And so I think that also kind of brought me to the point of, okay, what, what is this going to look like for my family? And so I went to this movie and God speaks to you through movies. I, I am one to tell you that. And so I came home, I'm like, okay, oh Lord, all right, I guess I'll just do this thing in front of me. And then my friend and I were talking and she was talking to me about um, a makeup company and how, you know, they sell all this stuff and she's been trying to get me to do it forever. And I'm like, I don't have any friends. How am I going to sell this? Well, anyways, I ended up signing up. And what that did was that took the focus off of me feeling despair, feeling hopeless. And now I started thinking about, wow, how can I encourage other women to do the same thing? So it was one step of clicking saying yes to signing up with this makeup company. And then God, over time, you know, the first month, it's like he just, he was abundant and I promoted like three times within one month. And it was just God reaffirming the saying yes. And then it was just a, a progression of saying yes to this opportunity, saying yes to this opportunity, getting outside of, okay, I'm a working mom. This is the work I do, but what is there going on in my own community and getting out with other women who were doing stuff and seeing how they could juggle so many things at once and getting around women who are just really empowering and impactful and inspiring. So it was a progression of saying yes with the click and then just continuing saying yes to whatever kind of came my way out of obedience. That's good. That's really good. So kind of what was that timeline like, like from when you just started saying yes and looking at what was right in front of you to when the fog lifted? So December, the end of December, 2014, like I think it was December 31st or something, I clicked on yes. And then January is when I started doing some, you know, networking and multi-level marketing, whatever you call that. And, um, and then I just started stepping out and getting involved in events 
and it just it really radically just like lifted as soon as i said yes and i took the focus off of oh my gosh this is my life this is what it's going to look like i had an outlet i was able to see further in the future instead of just keeping me in, in a place of this is it these are who my friends are going to be for the rest of my life. This is the job I'm going to have for the rest of my life. This is what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life. I needed to know that there was somewhere else that I was going, that I wasn't trapped. Because again, I was felt like I was in a prison where I could not get out. And so that was my prison of fear. That was my prison of life. This is what it's going to look like. And as soon as I knew that I could get myself out and be incorporated into other things and other people, I was okay. And I think that that's an important part of the story to tell, Julie, because, you know, we, we think about kind of really it's spiritual warfare, right? Like yeah. kind of going oh, yeah. through from, from beginning to end. Yeah. And as soon as like the fog started lifting, mm -hmm. then it sounds like that's really where the enemy started to slam down hard again. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. And then it, it slowly, gradually started to come up from there. And I think that that's an important part to share. Cause I think sometimes we can get so discouraged when we yeah. feel like we're starting to come out of something or things are starting to turn around for us. Maybe we feel like, you know, everything has just been going wrong and then right. something goes right. And we're like, Oh, this is awesome. Maybe things are going to start changing for me, but we can easily get discouraged the next time we hit that wall. So yeah. did you kind of go through that process when you came back from conference and that happened or what was that like for you? I did go through that process, but what I really appreciate the Lord doing is showing me that there was hope on the other side, that he did heal me and deliver me from that depression three days prior to the conference. And yes, there was still work for him to do. Apparently I still had some pride that he needed to work out and you know, put me back into that place of really refinement. But I always would look back and say, well, God, you delivered me. So I know it's going to happen. I know it's possible. That gives me hope and I'm going to push through. And I had a new attitude and a new level of just um, authority, I felt like, that I just, I took a stand, especially, you know, the whole spiritual warfare. I knew that what the enemy was trying to, do, you know, cause evil, God was going to use it for good. And I started to get excited about, okay, Lord, now that you've taken me through this and you've shown me that you are going to heal me, what are you going to do with this? Because talking with artists, our goal was always to get them to the place of knowing where does God need to show up in your own life? Where's the brokenness? How can you depend on God at a more deeper level? And how can you encourage others to do the same? And so I had so much training and so much, you know, equipping in my own mind for other people that I had to start applying it to my own life. That's good. And you know, it's funny, kind of going back to what we talked about before about how you can reach out when you start to find yourself fading into that darkness and, and, realizing that, you know, when you're going through that, it's, it's not easy to reach out. And oftentimes it's the last thing we think of. We think about hiding more than mm. reaching out. But, you know, when we talk about life balance here at Your Life Rocks, we talk about like the three pillars of creating balance in your life. And number one is really giving over every part of your life to Jesus. Number two is changing your focus. And number three is the systems. But number two of changing your focus, I think is really important because oftentimes we think selfishly. And we think about changing the focus for ourselves. And when we talk about changing the focus, it's changing the focus from ourselves to others. Mm -hmm. So our world gets bigger, mm -hmm. it expands, exactly. our problems seem smaller when we're starting yeah. to focus on other people's problems. Mm -hmm. And while it might be selfish to think of that, 
when we think about other people who are suffering around us that we might not know that they're suffering, but when we're changing that focus and we're able to focus on other people and maybe just reach out for them and grab them and say, I'm going to come pick you up. I want to, let's go for coffee. Let's, and, and removing some of those barriers. Um, you know, like you said, like that's really where it comes to creating that community around you so that when you're doing that for other people, if they're going through something similar and maybe they're not, but maybe they are, and maybe you're that lifesaver for them. And then they can be that for you when you start to go down that path. Yeah, exactly. Well, I was just so shocked with the statistics of how many women struggle with depression. I think it's like eight out of 10 women. And that just shocked me because I had never seen that perspective. I guess, because I was always in such a safe place where I was, you know, helping others know who they were. And I never even thought that that crossed my mind. And so when I had to deal with it personally, again, it just made it more impactful for me to be honest and vulnerable with others and say, hey, you think that I am doing all of this because of, well, guess what? I had to go through a process and I had to walk through knowing who I am in Christ and not just what I'm doing. So it really just, yeah, it gave me more, I feel like, to just connect with people on a deeper level that I was never able to before. I love that. And now it's fueling such a big purpose for you <laughs> coming full circle with right? Elrod, yeah. which I think yeah. is amazing. I think it's amazing yeah. that God is really, he's <laughs> using those, those things that he's walked you through in your life mm -hmm. to equip you to now pour out in such an amazing way for other people in the community. So before we wrap all of this up, tell us a little bit more about Elrod and just and what it is that you're working on, what its purpose is and uh, where you are in the project. All right. Well, basically it's really to just bring creative arts into healing and allow that to be a place where at risk kids, it's really my heart. I think our generation is really having an identity crisis with social media, our younger generation, and with the suicidals and the, the mental health crisis and just so much stuff happening. It was a way that the Lord really showed me that creativity needs to come back into the community. And so I've paired up with a licensed child family therapist from another nonprofit here in town. And we're really just wanting to create a safe environment for kids to come and have ways to self-express, whether it's through drama, whether it's through writing, whether it's through music, whether it's through dance, whether it's through, um, you know, just any type of creative arts. I mean, we have so many different artists that are coming to us saying, hey, I have an idea to do this. I have an idea to do this. It's really combining the art and therapeutic intervention. So if a child is going through something where they can't process it, just verbally, we can have them write about it. We can have them create a skit about it. It's not a performance academic type of center. It's really a place where kids can just express themselves in a safe place. So every person that's going to be involved, of course, loves Jesus. They have the, you know, the background to be able to incorporate therapy. Um, it's, it's just one of those crazy saying yes to God and watching him just do something that's above and beyond what I could ever ask, dream, or imagine. And that's kind of what's taking place right now with, um, you know, we've gotten some instruments donated. We have music teachers that just want to volunteer their time. They just want to help the youth in our community. And we just want to see this future generation really know who they are and not get caught up in the enemy's lies of you're not good enough. You're not going to amount to anything. I think with, you know, the parents, especially not knowing where a child can go when they have you know, mental or crises, 
We are extremely um, lacking in that department. I know I spoke with a nonprofit here in town and they opened it up to an insurance and they have a 350 people on the waiting list to be seen. And so that just screams out that these kids need help and they're not getting a lot of creativity in school with the new academic structure. So this is really just going to be a center where we're going to offer classes. We're going to offer groups. We really don't know what God's going to do, but we're just saying yes and creating a place. I love it. So obviously this podcast goes out all over the country, all over the world, Canada, UK, Australia, everywhere. But obviously, like if people want to donate money, donate time, or to find some of these resources for themselves, how would you suggest them search for that or, or go out to, about seeking that? Would you recommend them contact you to find where they can find those resources? Or is there a government website or um, different things that they could search? That's a great question. You know, when I started putting this together, I, I started looking for some centers that kind of modeled the way that I envisioned Elrod to be. And it was very sparse. I think the best thing you can do is contact, um, you know, any obviously, you know, primary doctor and they would know where to turn to, um, reach out to some churches. I, I hope and pray that there's other churches and other organizations that are taking this on. I know there is a facility in Nevada called Lava Heights Academy, which has a center for uh, children that are 12 to 18, which really I was excited about when I found it. Um, but Google's your best, best option, you know, search for creative arts, mental health center and see what comes up. I mean, you never know what's out there. I honestly had no idea that I would be going into this. So I haven't done a lot of research to see what other states are doing, but I'm really focused on my own community. And I know that we need something like this. So I love it. Just say yes. Well, <laughs> Julie, I want to I thank you so much thank for you. coming on and sharing um, so generously your, your testimony and being just so genuine about that journey. I know it's not an easy journey to share about. I know it's not an easy journey to walk. But um, God certainly has woven it all together for good. So thank you so much for coming on. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. I hope that you guys have enjoyed this testimony series just as much as I have. It's been so inspirational just to hear how God has shown up in the lives of other women and the things that they have walked through in their life. Now, the amazing thing is, is I know all of these women now. So to hear what God has brought them through to make them these incredible, powerful, amazing women that they are today is so empowering because we all have those times of struggle. We all have those times where we might be going through something that's just tough. But to see the example of what can happen on the other side of that, it's pretty amazing. And I hope that that gives you hope if you are going through something like that. And let me just challenge you. If you can resonate with some of the things that Julie was talking about, if you feel like that dark cloud is kind of over you right now, just send me an email. I would love to pray for you. You can send it to Jenny at yourliferocks.com. I will email you right back and you will be on my prayer list for sure. All right, now I have a life balance tip for you. Obviously, this show is all about helping you create more balance in your life. If you are new to Your Life Rocks and you're new to this podcast, I want you to know that we define balance here by setting and moving towards goals in eight areas of life. We consider those the life rocks, and they are your faith, marriage, parenting, your career, health, finances, home, and lastly, friends and fun. Now, inside of our Life Balance membership, we have our flagship course called Life Balance, and we really teach you in this 90-day program on how to create more balance in your life, walking you through the exact system I used when my life was really far unbalanced 
and how I brought it into more balance. It really provides you the systems and the tools and resources that you need in order to create that balance for you in your life. And so I do have a life balance tip for you from our sponsor, Life Balance Membership. Are you ready? All right, so we all know systems are super important. Whether it's your morning routine, a nighttime routine, your Sunday prep that you do to make sure that you're successful and setting yourself up for the most amount of success at the beginning of the week, they're all vitally important. Even the systems and processes you have within your career and your job and the things that you do to track your progress towards reaching those goals. But just like anything else in life, when you do something repeatedly over and over and over, you start to get a little bit looser with it. You start to kind of fall out of the exact routine or not doing things to the same amount of detail that you did in the beginning. And as we're getting ready to change seasons from summer to fall, I just challenge you to do an audit of all of the systems that you have in your life. Just simply write them all down and really think about what your intention is for each of those things. So think about your morning routine, your nighttime routine, your self-care routine, your weekly routine, all of those things, and just really think about what those intentions are and then do an audit of where you are actually and see where you can tighten things up. How can you get back to the actual intention and make sure that you're getting the most out of those systems and processes in your life. Now, if you want more information on the systems within the Life Balance Membership, you can visit lifebalancemembership.com or you can go to yourliferocks.com and get all of the information there. Now, also at yourliferocks.com, you will find our free course, Weekly Success Planning. Now, this course is free and it's all about helping you uplevel your Sunday prep. So if you're not yet strong in that system, I would like to give that gift to you for free. If you've already received that and that's already something that you've implemented into your life, then maybe the next step is to join the Life Balance Membership. And you can start a free seven-day trial to poke around and see what's in there as my gift from me to you. I hope you take advantage of that. Now, like I said before, next week we go back to our typical format and you will be hearing from me as we talk about creating intention around the school year and really setting you up for success with some strong action items that you can do to ensure that this is the best school year yet, both for you and your kiddos. So I hope that you join me for that. Hit subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And until next week, keep building a life that rocks. Bye.